Jumbo fellow adventurer, it's Mike Dooley here to remind you of how powerful you are and how much you deserve by sharing spiritual tune-ups. These are live broadcasts Monday through Friday, each lasting 5 to 15 minutes, where I answer viewers' questions, bringing lofty metaphysical concepts down to earth for your immediate traction. You were born to succeed. You are pushed on to greatness every single day. Your positive thoughts are at least 10,000 times more powerful than your negative thoughts. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy a week's worth of spiritual tune-ups. Jumbo, fellow adventurers, every morning, Monday through Friday, I do a spiritual tune-up answering your questions about the nature of reality and taking lofty spiritual concepts and bringing them down to earth. I totally believe life is the ultimate knowable. And if you think otherwise, you're giving your power away. Okay, suddenly there's maybes and what ifs and that depends. It's like, no, it's absolute. You're a creator. You're of God. So today's question, super cool. Mike, if we choose when we come here, who we will be, our parents, etc., even though we don't remember, could this be extrapolated to mean that we also choose when we leave? Do we choose when we die? Yes, but not in the way that you suspect. It is never done at a conscious level. Um, prior to our arrival in these sacred hallowed jungles of time and space, where we have a full deck of cards prior to the self-chosen amnesia setting in, we see the landscape of eternity. We see all possibilities. We see the past, the present, and the future. They're all happening simultaneously. And based on our desires for fun and learning, we pick where, when, how, who, all of those details for the stage and the likelihoods it will create for another adventure into these jungles of time and space. I have talked about almost all of those points in an earlier spiritual tune-up. So check out the directory in Facebook, Instagram, or even YouTube, and you'll be able to find some of these concepts already approached. But I never did talk about choosing when we leave. Uh, unrelated to suicide, which does have its own talking point in a spiritual tune-up. Okay, so here's what I want you to get. That prior to being here, we were consciously integrated with our higher, higher selves, making life and death decisions, if you will. Once we're here, we don't have that higher perspective. Yet, we are still consciously streaming by choosing our thoughts, choosing our perspectives, which brings us emotions and passions and fears, lions and tigers and bears. We are streaming 24-7, although without a higher awareness. Most people have no idea that they're creating their reality consciously or unconsciously on the fly based on a confluence of all of their thoughts. So when you choose thoughts, whether you realize it or not, what happens here, they pour through your mind and then through the magic of life, 
through metaphysical principles, through divine mind. They're all processed and weighed with your other thoughts, fears, beliefs, intuition, etc. And the shortest, quickest path for their physical emergence in time and space is plotted. All without you knowing. This is why we talk about the power of positive thinking. This is why we advocate creative visualization because even though we don't have to handle the logistics, what we choose to put in our mind, sparked by vision boards and affirmations, will have a powerful effect as it goes through the machinations of divine intelligence to be streamed before our very eyes, either in days, hours, weeks, months, or years into the future, depending on how massive or powerful or transformative our visions are. So, in that sense, we are consciously choosing our experience all the time because we're consciously or unconsciously choosing our thoughts at a street level. When I say conscious, I mean at a street level, as opposed to higher self level, we are taking all this stuff in and processing it in our own minds. And then it blends with divine mind to create a mirror of what we've been thinking about. So now let's add another dimension here. We all chose to come here, as I said, for two reasons, fun or learning, no exceptions. Well, maybe, maybe somebody came here to be an example. Maybe somebody came here um, for some very high and mighty reason. But generally, 99.9% .9 of the time, we are all here for fun or learning. Okay, now that is our operating system, if you will, for everyone, fun and learning. Even people who came here for loftier um, reasons, to be an example, to be a model, to be a light. Um, there's still fun and learning in that for them. So the operating system for all of us, all of us, is fun and learning. That's the operating system for divine intelligence. Okay, this is God's operating system. So now, take what I said earlier, that we're taking in all of these thoughts, choosing our thoughts. I'll think good thoughts. I'll think, I'll think empowering or disempowering. I'll think loving. I'll think hateful. I'll think I'll be afraid of the lions and tigers and bears, or I'll see challenges as an invitation to step. We're processing this mush all the time. It goes into divine mind and it comes out as the world around us, a physical representation as soon as possible based on what we've been processing. Now, Consider our processors that do all of the logistics that bring you wealth and abundance or friends and laughter or broken heart or coronavirus or cancer or all of that's you. That operating system is like love and, love and learning, joy and learning, joy and learning, fun and games, fun and games. So as long as the operating system is being fed and there is either fun and learning now or a great likelihood of its potential in the future. As long as that's being met, everything continues and we don't have an expiration date. When through overwhelm, through fatigue, or through achieving what we wanted to master when we chose this game in terms of learning, when we kind of get to the end of that rope, either because we've got A plus, A plus, A plus, or because we got, you know, we failed, we failed, and we refused to learn, and we refused to grow, and all of a sudden does not compute, will not work, this is not who you really are, then 
in the logistics based on the choices of perspective and your thoughts, an exit plan will be crafted. And the exit plan will be based, like all other manifestations, based on a confluence of your beliefs. Oh no, I'm vulnerable. I could get cancer. Or I'm angry. I'm angry at the whole world. And that could give you cancer. Or you'll look for a traffic accident. Or you'll choose coronavirus in the most lethal form. Or you'll just coast into a slow checkout. There's a million different ways, obviously, and a million different reasons that somebody would be checking out. But it is never thrust upon us. It is not a function of destiny. We never consciously choose it, unless, of course, it was a suicide, which is always a terrible idea. Look at the last tune-up. Yet still, because we are choosing our thoughts and our levels of optimism through our thoughts and our levels of pessimism and negativity, we still remain in control and at the helm of our ship. And we are therefore the ones who program our exit, even though that does not happen consciously. Now, a little footnote. If you're feeling like ho-hum, you're, you're bummed out, you're maybe feeling depressed, you don't feel any joy, you don't feel like you're learning anymore, you're kind of thinking, oh, well, if what Mike just said, that must mean my checkout is near or inevitable. It's impossible to make that conclusion with any degree of confidence or certainty. It's not knowable from street level. Okay, right around the corner as the world is shifting, there's going to be new opportunities that you can't comprehend right now, that you can't see right now. Here's a test from Illusions by Richard Bach. If you're still alive right now, that means you're not ready to die. That means there's still stuff to be done, love to be shared, lessons to be mastered. Okay, so if you're alive, you can, it doesn't matter if you're bummed out, doesn't matter if you're depressed, doesn't matter if you don't see any more learning in your future, that's irrelevant. There's still stuff looming on the horizon that's going to put a smile on your face, that's going to change everything even though now you can't see it. So don't even think about that. Just be here now. Follow your heart to the best of your ability. Go down paths, knock on doors, turn over stones, ask new questions. And I'll see you in the winner's circle one year, one million years from now uh, in realms beyond. Jumbo, fellow adventurers, and welcome to another spiritual tune-up. Thanks for your questions. Today's question is one that I've grappled with, and uh, many of you clearly are, based on what you're sharing with me, and that is how to cope with the bitter, rancorous divisiveness, this political divide that has not only split the United States and every county, city, state therein, but the entire world right now is coming to terms with this, this stark difference of opinions, whether it's my way or the highway, where it's my way or the highway. And boy, friendships are breaking up. Families are in bitter feuds. I got three tips for you, but first let's look at what's going on. As I have shared in other tune-ups, we are going through the most amazing healing ever experienced on planet Earth in recorded history. We are going from the darkness 
of our naiveties and total ignorance to the truths about reality into the light, into a recognition of life's beauty, its order, its meaning, and that we are all bathed in love, pushed on to greatness every single day. Until now, we have been tilling and hunting and gathering desperate, broken, and sick. To, to put it nicely, thinking that God's an angry white man um, that's jealous and wrathful. Okay, we didn't have time to be armchair philosophers. But now, as things are going so much better, we all have that time to think. And this means all of a sudden we're finding out who we are. And as soon as we see clarity, it's like, that's the truth I've been looking for my whole life. Even when very often... It's only a partial truth, and we're not even there. But we're so accustomed to the darkness, when we see a little bit of light, we grab on. And there's a little bit of light in every political debate. Okay, If you're on the far right, there is truth and beauty. And if you're on the far left, there is truth and beauty. And as soon as you get a taste of that, this is it! Eureka! And you become vigilant and uh, boisterous and loud and you preach and you preach and you preach until you realize there's a little bit more to the equation and then you preach that and you see everyone else as as a villain as if it was their fault you've lived your life heretofore in ignorance a, a new and great friend of mine in Mexico Julio I don't know if you're watching right now but we went we went hiking last summer and he being native a Mexican, spent much of high school in the United States. And it was the weirdest story, most shocking I ever heard, but immediately it made sense. Let me relay this to you. Uh, he, being from Latin America, had a lot of friends in high school. He was uh, in high school in Texas. Um, you know, white, black, everybody got along. Everything was cool. There was, to his awareness, zero discrimination, zero boundaries. But yet, he's moved on with his life, graduated from college, living and working in Mexico. But on Facebook, he sees his old friends, still present friends. And he commented that the things that they're posting reveal such a, a, a fear of Mexicans, uh, such a temperament of racism, it, it boggles his mind. These are the same people who earlier were getting along great, yet who now, emerging from darkness, grabbing onto truth, mistaking it for being absolute, suddenly reveal what was repressed. You're seeing this in your friends, and maybe they're seeing it in you too. So understand we're going through a great clearing, a great healing. We're coming from the darkness into the light. We're grabbing onto stuff, uh, and we're, we're totally thinking it's us or them. Here's what I want to share with you. Three steps. Let it be. Let it be. Let them go through what they're going through, just as you want them to let you go through what you're going through. It's okay. Nobody's going to be stuck. And if they don't move from their rooted positions, it's going to be okay. Okay, so let it be. Number two, 
enjoy them for all of their virtues, just as you hope that they will enjoy you for all of your other good traits besides just your keen ability to discern political correctness. All right, treat others as you would like them to treat you. And this means sidestep the arguments. You don't have to win the battle. Go to other areas in your life and theirs where there still exists great commonality. Look, we all want the same thing, a great society. And we all are speaking different points of truth. It's just that we get so absolute, we think we have to negate everyone else or they're the enemy. So let it be, chill out, you and them are growing and moving higher into the light. Number two, treat them as you want to be treated and, and celebrate all that you have in common. And number three, uh, soften up. When the conversation does go there at the dinner table or the picnic or the hike, just let there be a recognition that there are multiple ways to run a great society. Small government? Yeah, yeah. Um, civic funding and government health care? Yeah, yeah. There are countries on the world thriving with both of those conditions. And so those who fail to see that the opposite side of the coin is actually thriving in other parts of the world truly have their heads in the sand. If you think it's capitalism or die, you're completely ignorant to the examples of socialism around the world that have a far higher standard of living for their citizens than pure capitalistic societies. And vice versa. If you think socialism is the only way, hey, wake up and smell the coffee. Everyone is right. That's the weird thing right now. So celebrate what you can, focus on other things, and allow this clearing to 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 flower and blossom because we are moving into a world where we will all be getting along better than we have ever gotten along, where we will all respect each other as brothers and sisters, and we will all dance in the light. So let it be, let it be, and enjoy the ride. These are exciting times. Jumbo fellow adventurers, Mike Dooley, the question today is, if we are creators, what's God's role? Great question. Thank you for asking your questions below on Facebook or Instagram um, to peel this onion, if you will. Uh, I've got to state that there's an implication here, with no offense to the great question or the questionnaire, there's an implication here that reality is something other than what it is. The question is therefore fatally flawed. But to back up and go through it step by step, make it really simple. Um, yes, I teach and many, many others teach that we are full-time, 24-7 creators. We create through our focus. Our thoughts become the things and events of our lives. I take it so far as to say that there are zero mitigating factors, not karma, not destiny, not ancient spiritual contracts, and most certainly not a God who picks and chooses who gets what, when, and where. So the question is really well-founded. When is coming from a world that believes God's an angry white man or that believes God is out there 
And if you believe God is out there and we are down here, and now I come along with others and tell you that you're a full-time creator, well then what does that leave God doing? What's the role of God if we're creating implies that there's two different entities, implies that we are not of God, by God, pure God. So here's the gig. In ways I will never be able to explain from within time and space, God has always been. So the, the question that fries my mind is that, you know, we have God now. We know that there is a God. We can see the intelligence everywhere. And so the implication is at one point there was no God. That's where the brain fries. I can't fathom how we can even be here right now. How could God exist? This is the, the, the trippiest question of all. But perhaps it doesn't need to be answered to get our groove on. We can see with our physical senses and with what we feel on our heart that there is love and intelligence in every corner of the physical universe. There is symbiotic relationships. There are physical laws that work in concert with one another. There is just beauty everywhere, particularly on planet Earth and particularly when you look into the eyes of someone else. So there's no question that there is divine intelligence. Where did that come from? We, we can surmise that God does not have a tool shed uh, and lumps of clay where he makes stuff out of things that are not God. There's only God. God is everywhere always at once. Every mote of dust, every grain of sand, every planet and the vacuum between them is pure, radiant, divine intelligence. And that means we are too. We are pure God. And what can we deduce while there's so much we can't through observing life and the world around us? It's filled with meaning, that there's nonstop expansion, that there's unending growing, that there's love and adventure nonstop. We could therefore deduce that these are the traits of the immortal. This is God's consciousness. This is God's terrain. It's not a done deal. It's forever expanding. Just as we want to grow, clearly, divine intelligence wants to grow. And there was a time prior to our existence, okay, brain freeze, because we're using time references and time's an illusion. But prior to our existence, prior to your birth, prior to planet Earth, if you will, we can realize that Divine intelligence was still on this kick of growing and expanding, adventuring. Why? Because it could, because it's there, because it's fun. So in the adventuring that is divine intelligence, there was this incredibly cool idea to create these illusions of time, space, and matter. Fleeting lies. Because the truth is, there's no separation. There's no delineation. There's no contrast. There's just God. But by believing in the lies of here versus there, now versus later, have versus have not, holy crap, now it's game on. Now you're here, you want to go there. Now you're feeling lonely and you want friends. Now you have not and you want to have. Now you have desire because you're believing in the lies. You can only believe in the lies if you take God's mind and squish it down to less than a pinhead. And there you have the human brain 
way less than the pinhead, okay? But by having that little pinhead of focus, believing in here versus there, game on, adventures begin. And now you can feel lost and then be found. Now you can feel sick and then be healed. Now you can be broke and then be rich. Talk about an adventure where we forget that we're really of the divine, but we still have all the same powers of the divine because we are God particles, pure sparks of divine intelligence because nothing can't be God. We are God's opportunity to explore and adventure in ways that never could have happened without us, without our limited, flawed focus, believing in the lies of here, now, then, later, etc., Again, why? Because it's fun. Why? Because we could. Why? I mean, while there are suicidal people, almost nobody, not even the hungry person, not even the destitute person, not even the homeless person wants to give up their life because it's so beautiful and there's always hope and there are always infinite possibilities. Talk about a game. Talk about an adventure. I mean, it's just so rich. So you ask, why would God want to be here? That's why. Otherwise, God's everywhere always at once. It's a little bit boring. It's a little bit, hey, hey, there's another way I can look at this. There's another way I can experience this. There's another way I can create and witness my creations. You are one of those fingers of God where you are creating 24-7 and you're witnessing it 24-7 and you don't realize that you're creating it again. What an adventure. So now that we have the gig under wraps, with a billion trillion questions a brain could never answer, maybe we don't need to answer it to live our lives, to follow our heart, to be driven by passion, to be moved by fear, because it's all happening inside of the heart of God. And we're going to wake up in the blink of an eye and be like, oh my God, that was so real. Oh my God, I thought I was Mike Dooley. Oh my God, I thought I was in New Zealand. Oh my God, I thought whatever, whatever. Let's go back. Let's do it again. Why? Because we'll be safe. Even when we lose, we win. Because nothing can tarnish an eternal being. So the, the question might be, what is our role to follow our heart? To do what we want to do? To see what happens? There is no destiny. Let's incarnate billions and billions and billions of times, 7.5 billion times. That's how many living people are on earth right now. We're all connected. We're all one reincarnational family. When one falls, we all fall. When one soars, we all soar. When one feels love, we all feel love. So let's, let's go there and I'll experience reality as me and you experience it as you. And everyone else is doing a totally different performance and all of it adds up to God. So that's your role in life, to use your inherent divine powers to bust a move, rock and roll, fall in love, be in service, play good music, watch tune-ups, invent a computer, go sailing, catch a breeze. It's so beautiful. And there is no division between us and God. Dreams do come true. They come true all the time. You're a dream that came true. You're one of God's dreams come true. You are who God most wanted to be and who God still most wants to be. Happy Friday, Jambo fellow adventurers. Time for the last spiritual tune-up of the week. And this one is on indecision. This one is one I can so resonate with. <clears throat> I think we all can. Uh, making that big decision, whatever it may be, and just wanting to get it right. Uh, 
I hate it. I hate it. But I've got four tips for you that it's gonna, that's gonna make it a lot easier from this point forward and a little bit of inside advice. My mom kind of helped me along this path when she was alive because whenever I would have a big decision to make, she would very confidently tell me, Mike, whenever you don't know what to do, don't do anything. Whenever you don't know what to do, don't do anything. And boy, that will take you a long way. And once you finally get to the place you have to make that decision or it's very near, here's my four tips. Okay, so number one, so often we wrangle with a hypothetical decision before it's even shown up in our life. So tip number one, very similar to what mom would share with me, never make a decision until you have to. Don't go there. You may not have to make that decision, but by creating that mountain in your mind and wrestling that gator before it even shows up, you're perhaps drawing to you more uncertainty and a situation that will make it more difficult to answer that question. So tip number one, don't answer the question until you really have to. Tip number two, this has proven itself to be so relevant in almost all of my big decisions. And I can think that this is true even very recently. Very often, the reason I have indecision is because the answer at the time of indecision is none of the above. We get so focused on either or, high or low, yes or no, that we can sometimes lock out an alternative answer that is even now brewing. Another reason not to decide until you have to, because the terrain changes. Life is a moving target, if you will. So consider that the reason you don't have clarity yet is because the right option has not presented itself. Sit tight. Keep dwelling and thinking and contemplating about possibilities and options. Tip number, th number three. Tip number three is when possible, break the big decision down into smaller steps. You know, instead of all or nothing, can you incrementally get there? Can you kind of compromise and do parts of the big decision now so that you can test the waters and check out your comfort zone and decide later on whether to withdraw or proceed? Tip number four. This has saved me in my biggest ones, even when it was time to propose to the lady who would become my wife. I had so much trouble, either or, yes or no. Marriage, come on, it's a human invention. It's not spiritual. You know, I had all these arguments in my head and I remember thinking, okay, this is really clear. It's a yes or a no. You've procrastinated long enough. So pretend in your mind that you proposed and she said yes and now go six months into the future go two years into the future and have a conversation with that future self how did it go how are you feeling two years ago you decided to propose that was followed by marriage how's your life right now what do you think the answer would be you might journal this out if that's easier and then then refresh reset do the same exercise, but, but the opposite. Okay, it's two years into the future, 
and you never did propose. How you feeling? How'd that go for you? <laughs> when I did that for me and my prospective wife, what was totally confusion gray area became crystallized, absolute, totally knew that I had no choice, that I would be happiest if I proposed and she said yes. And so it has been. So another little pointer, it's not one of my steps, but to close this little tune-up out, uh, understand that you live in a magical world that's here for you with angels and guides and the universe at your beck and call. There's a lot of wiggle room. As a note from the universe once said, there's no decision that you could ever make that getting it wrong will hurt you as much as you fear. You better replay that one, okay? Um, you're going to be okay. There's no bad decisions. There's grace and love and joy down every single path. The universe will find a way to right your ship and to get you on track and not to redo and make you reconsider, but there's more fish in the sea, there's more birds in the sky, there's more people, there's more ways of making money, there's other ways of healing. There's just like an infinite number of possibilities for your joy and happiness and the universe is on your case. On the case in a good way. Well, there you have it, fellow adventurer. Thanks for listening to this most recent installment of Spiritual Tune-Ups. If you enjoyed this podcast, please take a few seconds to rate it on the podcast service you're using right now. It makes a big difference in helping more people find us. And of course, if you want daily reminders of life's magic and your power, please sign up at tut.com for my free Notes from the Universe emails. Tally-ho!